Thank you for listening to the podcast of Antioch Church, a Christian community in Bend, Oregon, being formed by the story of a God who is making all things new, including us. You can learn more at antiochchurch.org. Thanks for listening. I got no place left to go Cause I can change by what I've been shown It's more glory than the world has known Keeps me rambling on Skipping like a cat loose from its stall And I'm free to love once and for all And even when I fall I get back up with the joy that overflows my cup Heaven filled me with more than enough Broke down my levees and my bluffs Let the flood wash me And one day when the sky rolls back on us, some rejoice and the others fuss. Cause every knee must bow and tongue confess that the Son of God is forever blessed. His is the kingdom and we're the guests. So put your voice up to the test. Sing, Lord, come soon. 
Good morning, Antioch, and welcome to what we think will be our final digital liturgy, at least for a little while. Um, as we announced last Sunday, God has given us the kindest gift this summer, a beautiful phase two outdoor venue where we can worship together on Sunday mornings. So starting next Sunday, July 5th, we will be gathering at Les Schwab Amphitheater for a physically distanced outdoor worship service. So here's what you need to know. Out of love and concern for the most vulnerable members of our community, we are committed to observing the guidelines for phase two of Oregon's reopening plan. So what this means is that we're gonna ask everyone to bring your own blankets or lawn chairs for your whole family to sit on together. We won't be able to offer any childcare or kids classes, which we know will make things a little tough for those that have little ones. But we're gonna try to keep the service on the short side and it's cool if your kids need to act like kids. Uh, secondly, we're going to ask you to practice physical distancing the whole time that you're there. That means trying to keep at least six feet apart from people you don't live with. And uh, we're going to be setting things up in such a way that helps us to do that. So we're not going to be requiring masks, but we would strongly recommend them at least for the first few weeks as we're figuring things out. And then finally, we would say if you have recently had a fever or you aren't feeling well that day, we'd ask you to stay home until you are feeling better. Um, we won't be live streaming the services from the amphitheater, but we will be posting the sermons online every Sunday so you can catch up on the weeks uh, that you miss. So I know all the COVID stuff is kind of strange and we really wish we could do some holy kissing, but um, we really are committed to cooperating with our city, our county, and our state to help limit the spread of the virus, and especially out of concern for those who are older or more susceptible. So that's the plan next Sunday. Bring a Bible, a lawn chair, you can bring an umbrella if you want, coffee, water, snacks, stuff for your kids. I can't wait uh, to see you all again. So this morning's liturgy is mostly a chance for us to just touch base as a church family uh, before we transition into our summer rhythm. And uh, we've got a couple things to talk about, um, but first we are going to open in prayer. So the lovely Pat Kinneen is leading us in the prayers of the people today. Let's pray together. Good morning, Antioch. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty and everlasting God, we worship you as our creator king, and with the psalmist we declare, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. You, O oh Lord, are faithful to all your promises and loving toward all you have made. You uphold those who fall and lift up all who are bowed down. Heavenly Father, may this morning bring us word of your unfailing love, for we have put our trust in you. 
Show us the way we should go, for to you we lift up our souls. Fill each of us anew with your Holy Spirit, that we might walk in the manner worthy of our calling, with all humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Lord Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole hearts, souls, and minds. We have not loved our neighbors as you would have us love them. We fall so short, and yet as we are able, we open our minds and our hearts to your correction. Forgive us, Lord, wash us, cleanse us, and we shall be clean. Holy Spirit, come, fill us with your presence that we might bring your wisdom, comfort, and light to this often dark and chaotic world. Remind us that our King is still on his throne and that our Savior sits at his right hand continually interceding for us. Assure us that all that transpires in our lives is working to conform us to the image of Christ if we will just allow it. Soften our hearts towards those with whom we disagree and do not allow strife to gain a foothold in your holy church. Lord, we thank you this morning for the birth of baby girl, Harper Lael DeLong. We ask you to give Travis and Addie confidence that you are parenting right alongside them and that they can trust you with Harper's life. May she know you at a young age and walk with you all her days. Father, we ask you to bring peace to Mark and Joelle Blanchard as they await the imminent arrival of their triplets, Rosalie Grace, Marlena Sunshine, and Joey Sawyer. We pray that each baby will be strong and healthy. Please give Mark and Joelle wisdom, strength, and endurance as they transition into becoming a family of five. Lord, we thank you for the gift and privilege of meeting this summer at the amphitheater. We ask you for the graces of a smooth transition and mild weather. We pray that your word would be heard by passers-by and that they would be drawn to you and to your kingdom. Father, we ask all of these things through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory both now and forever. Amen. Well, thank you, Pat. Um, so here's what we're going to do with our time today. Uh, first, I want to offer a few what you might call pastoral thoughts in light of the series we wrapped up last Sunday. We spent three weeks learning about race and reconciliation and specifically asking what it might look like for a mostly white church in a mostly white city in a mostly white state to gain the heart and mind of Jesus when it comes to racial injustice in our world. It was an intense and challenging 
series of conversations. Um, today I'm not going to add anything else on top of it, but I do uh, want to offer a few thoughts as we prepare for what's next. So we're going to do that. The other thing that we're going to do today is commission Nathan and Carrie Riley as they transition away from Bend and away from Antioch and they head to North Portland where they will be replanting a church called Red Sea in the St. John's neighborhood of Portland. And so in a few minutes, Nathan and Carrie will be joining me and we're going to hear more from them and then we'll take our best swing at a digital church planting commissioning. So that's what we're in for today. So first, dear white people, uh, we have been on a wild ride the last few weeks. Um, let me read from Ephesians chapter 4, just a few verses. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Paul uses the metaphor of a body to describe the identity of Christ's church. And it's a powerful metaphor. Jesus identifies the church as part of who he is. You remember how Jesus first introduced himself to Paul? He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You remember Saul was persecuting Christians. But Jesus says that whatever you do, to his church, we do to him. And so the Bible has a ridiculously high view of the church, that Jesus is the head and we are his body. And Paul tells us here that Jesus has a vision for his body. He has a dream for his church. And Paul lists these two defining marks of Jesus' dream for his church. The first is unity, the second is maturity. Let's talk about those real quickly. First, unity. Most of the time when we think about unity, what we actually picture I think is more like affinity. A group of people that are just like us, all hanging out together. But the whole context of the book of Ephesians is this letter to Jews and Gentiles, people of two uh, different ethnicities and cultural and religious backgrounds two groups becoming one body. It's not affinity, it's a different kind of unity. And so unity matters to Jesus because it's the way God is in his very nature, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, three persons who are one. God is unified and the church must be too. So unity isn't the absence of conflict. It's the presence of a flourishing oneness that has to, the power to unite people who would never get along in the wild. In the church, just like in our families of origin, we didn't choose each other. We were chosen for each other. So as we come out of this intense conversation on race and reconciliation, Here's the first thing I want to say. Unity doesn't mean superficial niceness. Unity doesn't mean that we avoid hard or controversial 
conversations. Unity doesn't mean we only talk about all the things that we all agree on. Any group of people can be polite to each other, but the church of Jesus, the body of Christ, has the potential to be the kind of community where we're able to bring our whole selves to the table, where we can have hard conversations, divergent perspectives, differences of opinion, and even with all that, we're still devoted to each other with a brotherly or a familial love. So I know from many conversations over the past few weeks that when it comes to the topics of race and reconciliation, there are some differences of opinion. And you know what? It doesn't freak me out. I'm not saying let's just agree to disagree. I'm saying the Bible isn't naive about the fact that unity in the church is something that we're going to have to work really hard at sometimes. So the way we say it in our elders meetings, when things kind of get heated, we say that we want to fight like brothers, not like enemies. So I don't know about you, I don't have time for superficial relationships, for Christian niceties. I want to be part of a church that's learning how to embrace conflict as fertile soil for redemption. And we don't get that by playing it safe. That's the kind of community that can actually contribute to our formation. That's the kind of community that actually leads to maturity, which is the second mark of Jesus' vision for his church. So the idea isn't that we're just a bunch of messy people who are always messing up and ticking each other off, although that's probably true. The idea is that we are constantly being stretched and pulled and formed and reformed into something new, specifically into people who look like Jesus. So Jesus' vision for his body is that we would be able to faithfully represent him to the world in every way. That when the world looks at the church, they would get to see Christ. And for whatever reason, Jesus has chosen the church as the primary vehicle through which he accomplishes his work of reconciliation in the world. So what happens when an entire community has their identity rooted in Jesus, and they're committed to seeking unity with each other and maturity in Christ. Well, what happens is that they become an irresistible display of God's coming kingdom that the world is longing for. I want to read you a couple paragraphs. One author puts this vision to words in a way uh, that fires me up, and I want to share it with you. Listen to this. He says, throughout his ministry, Jesus showed what the kingdom of God was all about by loving outcasts, befriending the oppressed, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, caring for the poor, driving out demons, forgiving sins, and so forth. If you peel back his miracles, the common denominator underneath them all is that he was alleviating human suffering and showing what the future kingdom of God looks like. In Jesus' ministry, a bit of the future had penetrated the present. Jesus embodied the future kingdom of God where human suffering will be eradicated and where there will be peace, justice, freedom, and joy. The church, which is his body in the world, carries on this ministry. 
It stands on the earth as a sign of the coming kingdom. The church lives and acts in the reality that Jesus Christ is the Lord of the world today. It lives in the presence of the future, in the already but not yet of the kingdom of God. For this reason, the church is commissioned to proclaim and embody the kingdom now, to bring a bit of the new creation into the old, to bring a piece of heaven into the earth, demonstrating to the world what it will look like when God is calling the shots. In the life of the church, God's future has already begun. Isn't that amazing? That's the kind of church that I want to be part of. And uh, we're going to keep pushing it. So while we're done with the Dear White People series, and we're going to shift gears into other texts and other topics than race this summer, this won't be the last time we confront white supremacy at Antioch. We're going to continue to oppose and to call out any power or principality that challenges the supremacy of Christ. And we're going to continue to learn how to mourn with those who mourn and to ask God to break our hearts for what breaks his. So as an expression of that commitment, I am so excited today to invite you to take a next step towards unity and maturity in the conversation about race and reconciliation. Antioch this summer is offering a six-week online course entitled Race, Class, and the Kingdom of God, and it's taught by our guest speakers from week two and three of the Dear White People series, David Bailey and Elena Aronson of Erebon. So this course is a mix of video teaching from both David and Elena, along with reflection questions, journaling prompts, and group discussions. And so I would say wherever you're at with this whole topic, if you're interested in learning more and taking the next step, then this is a really great opportunity that we hope everyone who calls Antioch their church will get to go through eventually. And so our first cohort is going to be starting uh, this summer in July. We don't know exactly how it's all going to work yet, but if you're interested in being part of this first group, you can find a link on the Antioch website. And uh, as the group forms, then the details will kind of flesh out. And so I really would encourage you uh, to think about participating in this class and uh, we have a special little invitation from David and Elena just for us. Hey Antioch, it's uh, your family from Erebon and uh, we're just really glad that um, many of y'all are interested in jumping into the race class and Kingdom of God study series. Uh, you know, you uh, it could have been a little shocking in the first week of Dear White People to hear like uh, a brother's been along for the journey for a really long time. That's prophetic. That's an eight and has a lot of energy. And you can be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Or it could have been some other folks that were like, yes, 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 yes. And then, you know, Elena, you know, had her kind of pastoral space. And then I kind of have my apostolic teaching gifts. And, and like, you know, you're like, all right, I, you could be a little off kilter. And like, how, how do we not just uh, feel like we're just being pushed into the deep end and, um, that's why we've developed the race class and the kingdom of God study series. Then let's say, for example, you know, you've been on a journey for a while and you might be like a Jay or Elena or a David. 
Or you're like, hey, I've never heard any of these concepts before. I thought I knew something. Or I could even be very reluctant to have a conversation uh, the way it is. I just don't know how to make sense. Or, or these, these conversations tend to be very brutal for me. Well, we developed a race class kingdom of God study series to, one, be rooted in scriptures. Uh, two, to kind of help people get some, some, um, some frameworks to begin to think through some things. But even more so, we've developed uh, some practices to allow people, no matter where you are on the journey, to have some healthy practice to be able to dialogue uh, uh, in a, a spiritual formation and uh, 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 um, kind of helpful information methodology. So we hope that, you know, you'll dig in um, and, and that you'll um, have an opportunity to talk with people and to be able to, like, engage. And, and ultimately, we believe that reconciliation is spiritual formation. And so we're ultimately wanting to go on the discipleship path to see uh, um, how God can transform not only you, but transform your community. Yeah, we're just so grateful that you've trusted us to lead you through this community discipleship process. And we're glad that there's been energy and excitement around this conversation so far, Antioch. And it's been great to be virtually with you the past two weeks. We just hope that there's a lot of fruit that comes through this, these conversations. So thank you all for investing in this work, especially during this time. Yeah, well, praise God. Let's pray for you. Let's pray for him. Lord, I just pray for Antioch. Uh, pray for people who, you know, uh, feel like, hey, I... Uh, even know what needs to be done. I pray for humility. I pray for those that say, hey, uh, I don't know uh, what needs to be done. Um, I just pray for insight. And I pray for courage. And, you know, for those that like, I might be reluctant to this, I pray for your heart. I pray like folks that are saying uh, um, that no matter where anybody is in the journey, that folks would say, hey, I want to be a foretaste of the kingdom of God to come and uh, have the humility to make a, a, some steps of faithfulness uh, to this, this next steps. And Lord, it seems like as a church, they're discerning that they, they want to do race class in the kingdom of God. And so I pray that you would um, give them the grace and uh, the ability and insight and revelation because we know the Holy Spirit uh, uh, wants to see unity uh, in the church and unity amongst people of every tribe, tongue, and language because uh, that's what's going to happen in heaven. And so when we pray that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as in heaven. Like we know that's part of the prayer. So Lord, help us to uh, uh, discern, like practically, what's that next step uh, for each each of us in this um, uh, experience. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, over the past several months, we have been in conversation with a wonderful group of believers in North Portland, uh, a church called Red Sea. Red Sea is about 50 people who live in St. John's, which is one of the rougher neighborhoods in Portland. Uh, it's a lower middle class school district. Public schools rank among the bottom in the state, uh, and it has some of the higher rates of poverty and crime in the entire city. And these wonderful people at Red Sea have been faithfully slugging away there in their neighborhood uh, since 2002. But in recent years, their ministry uh, has struggled and dwindled. So their leaders have discerned that God is calling them to a fresh start into a new season, um, what we would call in church planting a replant or revitalization effort. Um, which requires the right kind of leader. And so uh, several months ago now, we announced that we believe we have those leaders in uh, Nathan and Carrie Riley, and um, that they have been here with us for just about two years. Uh, Nathan's serving as our pastor of worship and formation. 
Um, but over the last few months, Nathan and Carrie have sensed God calling them into uh, this new season of ministry and specifically to the work of replanting um, Red Sea. And so uh, I'm going to ask Nathan and Carrie just to share a little bit more about the opportunity that's in front of them, ways that we can pray for them. And then in a few minutes, we will, uh, we will ask God's um, blessing and provision upon them in a commissioning. And so... Um, Nathan, Carrie, this isn't the first time we've actually done this, which is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. We did this what, six years ago. Something like that. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, when you guys were getting ready to leave Corvallis and go to Albany. Yep. So, um, so tell us a little bit more about kind of the sense that you have of God's calling on your life, uh, specifically as it relates to church planting, replanting, and uh, the fit at Red Sea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think really since uh, my first venture into full-time ministry, which was some 15, 16 years ago, um, the work of, of church planting uh, has always been sort of central to my heart and to the calling. And so we spent several years kind of preparing for that work and figuring out what that was going to look like. And um, yeah, then in 2014, we were a plant out of doxology in Corvallis, which was the church that you had planted that you mentioned earlier. Um, and had a, had a lot of fun for about four years, slugging away in Albany. And um, of course then transitioned here. And as we transitioned to Antioch, um, we knew that we were stepping into a, a bit of a different role instead of the kind of the more preaching and teaching and kind of, I don't know, sort of visionary focus role. It was kind of the, the worship formation role, which is stuff that I love and I'm passionate about. But I think that my, um, my, my first calling is to um, is to that sort of other other side of the gifting and which was part of our conversation all along in coming and like I'm bringing on a worship pastor but he's kind of a church planter in secret <laughs> and so in our time here as much as we've, we've loved it and enjoyed it it's always been the prayer or looking forward to God what might you be calling us to next what might you be kind of birthing in our own hearts as far as as, as what you're calling us to and so as this conversation came up with uh, with Red Sea Church um, in St. John's, uh, as we started talking about it and praying about it, I think it became very, very clear to us very quickly that um, not only does this feel like a great fit for our particular gifting and calling, but but also just the, the context um, of St. John's, some of which you mentioned, some of the tangible brokenness and difficulties of life there, and other things like in addition to being one of the rougher neighborhoods um, and, and poorer neighborhoods in, in Portland, it's it's also one of the most diverse neighborhoods and um, ethnic diversity and, and um, sort of so, socioeconomic diversity. And, and that's really compelling to us as well. And so recognizing that there's a church with some particular needs that I think we can fill in terms of leadership, um, but also some needs as far as making some changes in the church, help them kind of deploy into their culture. Um, be a be a gospel presence there. Um, now we couldn't couldn't be more excited. Great. So, yeah, we're stoked. Carrie, how are you feeling about moving to a new town that's, if we're honest, quite a bit different than Bend? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very different. Um, yeah, I'm feeling really great about it. Honestly, of course, sad to leave all the friends here that we've made, but like Nathan was saying, the the context is something that we're really called to. And it's something that we've missed a little bit being here in Bend. and didn't necessarily realize that that was a piece of our calling when we came here until we realized how much we missed it, how much we missed going into the schools and 
being the only parent who's involved. Um, and just that there was a huge need for it. And we haven't necessarily felt as much of that here. Of course, everybody needs, <laughs> needs help. Um, but just the, the different context is what really speaks to, speaks to our soul. So yeah. I'm feeling, feeling excited about the new, the new adventures. <laughs> Seems like a great fit for you guys. Uh, Carrie's delivered over half the children in this community. <laughs> we'll be leaving a significant hole that way. So I'm sure there'll be more in Portland. Well, the truth is, uh, moments like this are bittersweet, right? Because we are excited for the future that God has for you, and especially for the congregation at Red Sea to get to enjoy life under your leadership and care. But um, but you're going to be deeply missed at Antioch, and uh, especially the Kelly family. We'll miss the Riley family significantly, um, but we're thankful it's not too far, and our plan is to continue to partner in ministry and relationship for many years to come. So, so as much as we're excited, we do uh, just pause and say uh, that's, uh, goodbyes are always hard, change is always hard, and you know, it will be for your family and, and for our church family as well. But so grateful for these last two years that you guys have poured into Antioch um, and led us well in worship, loved um, so many in our community. Uh, both of you have been an amazing gift to me and to our church. So, um, I want to read just a short passage from the uh, book of 2 Corinthians and then have a prayer that I want to pray over you guys kind of as a, as a sending or a commission. So, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes, We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God, who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. I thought of you guys. Um, when I read that verse, knowing um, I don't know two people who have given their lives more fully to the gospel of Jesus and to um, his family and to his mission, and, uh, and it's come at a cost. You guys have um, been through a lot, and you have more to come. And so our hope and our commitment as your sending church um, really is to hold you up um, in prayer and support and relationship. Um, knowing that God is with you and for you. So let me pray for you guys, and we'll send you out. So our Heavenly Father, these words from the Apostle Paul remind us of the importance and necessity of praying for those among us whom you've called to vocational church ministry. We know that stories of being crushed and overwhelmed aren't limited to church planters and replanters, but their stresses are great, regular, and often involve intense spiritual warfare. So Father, first and foremost, we pray that Nathan and Carrie will be kept fresh and renewed in the riches of your grace. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray the gospel will be powerfully at work in their hearts witnessing to their union with Christ, granting them an awareness of your presence and pleasure with them, revealing the beauty and love of Jesus, 
granting them joy, wisdom, and freedom in the midst of multiple challenges and spiritual assaults. Father, grant them thick skin and big hearts, thick skin to protect them from a barrage of criticism, unrequested suggestions, and to buffer them in the emotional roller coaster of the highs and lows of a new season of ministry, and big hearts to enjoy the various gifts of dear people, celebratory moments, sovereign goodness you grant them, and to prepare them when some of those dear people disappear or move on. Mm. And lastly, Father, grant them enough fruit to keep them encouraged, mm. enough laughter to keep them soft, enough refreshment to keep them sane, enough grace to keep their team from imploding, mm. enough money to keep them from stressing, enough courage to face death in all its forms, and a supernatural outpouring of your help to keep them convinced that their labors are not in vain. We pray all this in the victorious name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, Antioch, that is it for today. I am so grateful for the chance to be your pastor, and I can't wait for next Sunday when we are all together again outside at the amphitheater. So thanks for being with us today. And uh, just like we started, we're gonna close uh, with a little special music from our very own Nathan Riley on his way out. Love you guys, have a great week. What love is this? Oh my soul, oh, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul? What wondrous love is this that calls a load of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul?
I'll sing on. 